0: Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged, and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And let's stay standing for our scripture reading this morning out of Matthew 22, where Jesus is getting asked a question, and they're trying to trap him. Uh, Some religious leaders, and so they're questioning him. They said, "Teacher, Jesus, which is the most important commandment in in the law of Moses? You got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules and laws. Which one is the most important?" And Jesus replied, "You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your soul, and all of your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment." But the second is equally important. He doesn't give him one, he gives them two. It's like two sides to, this, to a coin. you got to have these both. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, all of the, the rules that you can think of, all the demands of the prophets, they're based on these two commandments. He says, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. So as you get seated, greet about two or three or four people. Say hello to them, and as you do, tell them keep it simple. All right, that's our theme for today. So you can have a seat, greet some people, and tell them keep it simple. If you're online in the chat, keep it simple. Put that in the chat. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, Mike. That's what uh, when I would preach uh, and work with teenagers. Part of the complexity was I have a lot of, I love diving into the Bible. I love getting into God's word. And you study and you go and then you, like, I got to explain this to a, a teenager. And so that was kind of the rule of thumb is, is keep it simple. And even here, that's the kind of the, the, the theme. I'm like, just how can we take this in such a way that we talk about such deep, deep, um, compelling life principles, truths about God and our Creator. But when we leave here today, it's like we have some handles that we can actually say, oh, this is how it applies. This is how I take it with me. This is how I can take a next step and walk this this thing out. And so to me, that's an art to try to figure that out, but also I need a lot of God's help on that. So as as we do it today, I'm going to try to keep it simple. My grandpa... Who is, is in his nineties? Uh, there's kind of this rumor with him. He he would say at church, he's like, if pastor can't get it done in fifteen minutes, he ain't gonna get it done. Um, and so, uh, sorry, my and it, 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 Grandpa, I'm probably not gonna get there. He would even sometimes walk out. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I'm gonna preach a message called "Keep It Simple" today, but it's probably gonna be thirty plus minutes. So um, I'm sorry, Grandpa. Um, you know, a lot of my my. Uh, illustrations. I don't I don't do them every week, but I like to do something where we talk about it but we can also see it and sometimes that's how we remember it. And I, I like to keep those simple as well. And sometimes those are actually what stick with me the most in a sermon are some simple illustrations. But I've had some, it's kind of funny to me, because there's nothing wrong, but you guys are like, oh, I really like that illustration, it was really deep in it, it communicated it to me, and here's kind of a little secret that I don't tell a whole lot, but I'll just tell you, like, a lot of my illustrations, you want to know where they come from? They come from children's ministry websites, and I'm kind of like, how would you explain this to a four- or a five-year-old, and I'm like, oh, that makes total sense now, you know? And so it helps me, and then I do that, and then you guys are like, oh, my gosh. So we are in Freedom Kids, sort of. I'm not trying to to knock on your your intelligence or anything like that. It's just simple sometimes um, makes it so easy for us to take it with us and and go. And here these guys are asking Jesus, you know, all this complex question. He's like, let's just keep it simple, boys. Keep it simple. But sometimes simple can be a little bit uh, complex in meaning. The words... I love you. I love you. That simple phrase, but if you've been in any type of relationship, that can be very complex, uh, especially at the beginning stages. I remember Rita and I, when we were dating early on, um, uh, we had been dating for a month, maybe two months, not very long, and I started to have you know, the, some feelings, and I really liked her. So we had gone out on a date, and at the end of this date, uh, I was like, I really like this girl. I think I have the feelings. I'm I, I love this girl. So at the end of the date, I went to give her a hug, and as we hugged, I kind of whispered into her ear for the very first time these simple but oh-so-complex words, I love you. And I was... Expecting to hear a simple three words back in my ear, but I only got two. I said, I love you, and she said, thank you. <laughs> simple words, but complex meaning, but I knew what that meant. Uh oh, uh oh. And so we said goodbye. And uh, sometimes simple isn't uh, always as simple as it seems. And as we go into today talking about soul care, we are in the middle of a series called Soul Care. Have, have you enjoyed this series? Anybody getting anything out of this? All right. I, 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 to me, this has been life changing. At the same time, I'm like right in the middle of this trying to work on some of these things because Jesus said, what is more valuable than your soul? Point blank, black and white. What's more valuable? Nothing. Nothing. So this is a series that we got to take seriously because our souls are not at rest. That's kind of my personal conviction and premise, is that we have a hurried soul and that we are always on the go, and sometimes our soul just cries out. And so today, soul therapy session number three is, keep it simple, simplicity, simplicity. And simple, as we dive into it, it's, it's backwards, It's backwards to what we are used to. And it is backwards to our culture and our communities. American gospel in a nutshell, okay? Just to try to keep it simple. The gospel in America is the more you have, the happier you will be. The more you have, the happier you will be. And everything is pushing you towards what's next or getting bigger or better. It's just thrown and thrust into our faces inside of our, our culture that the more you have, the happier you'll be. That's the equation. And if we were being honest, I, you, I, know, I know you and I know me, we would never say this out loud. Right? We would never really admit this. But a lot of our identity is wrapped up in what we wear, the car we drive, the square footage of our house, the amount in our bank account, the job or the job titles that we have, what our kids, what they do or what they have done, good or bad. We have... put our identities into these things. And the way it seems in our lives is that if you could just reach just a little bit more in any of these things or have just a little bit more success in any of these things, that life would be better. And it's always just out of reach. And that's the state of where many of us find our souls and just trying to chase and reach and grasp. Perhaps, perhaps the equation that we've been sold, the equation that maybe we have believed, that we never really admit, but it's there, is wrong. Perhaps there's a a better way. Simple is backwards. Look at a couple verses uh, today that we're going to we're gonna look at. 1 Thessalonians. Look how backwards this is. I'm, it almost makes me cringe. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Because that's not how I, I live. Make it your aim. Make it your goal to live a, a quiet life. Minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Maybe the reason that we are not at rest is because we're not being honest about our stuff. It has been our identity. And it's easy to sit here and say, ah, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's not my identity. Have any of those taken away from you? Have any of those downsized or, or decrease in your life? And, and I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying it I've seen people have breakdowns and lose all sense of self when these things are taken away or when they are, when they are lessened or, or decreased. So keep it simple. Keep it simple. Jesus says it like this. He says, seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Keep it simple. Keep... Keep this priority in place and he'll take care of everything you need. Now, we have an enemy and an adversary that his job, and he does a really good job at this because we've, we've sort of bought into this lie. The enemy is a liar, he'll try to convince you that your wants are needs. But do we really trust that God will give us everything that we need? And the enemy has convinced us in many of these areas that our wants are actually needs. So he says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is, this is, if we are honest, backwards thinking for us, a lot of us individually. We can see it in our culture, but sometimes we have blind spots in us. And if we're open today, maybe we're just admitting our soul, I'm not living a simple life. Simple is a little bit backwards. Simple is complicated. Simple is complicated. I alluded to this earlier. Why is it complicated? Because life is complicated. It is not always easy to go through anything. So Jesus goes on. I'm going to uh, this this section in Matthew chapter six. Just so you know, I want to go with this backwards theme. All right. So that's how he kind of ends this section of scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he'll give you everything that you need. But he says some things before that, and we're going to work our way backwards. All right? So, backing up a couple verses in 25, he says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food or your body more than clothing? Now, he's preaching to an audience in the first century. And so, For them, back in history, they had to worry about everyday life. Where are we going to get food, clothing, shelter, those sorts of things? That was on their brain. Now, for us, 21st century, 2,000 years later, we're not so much worried about that. We're worried about our 401k. We're worried about our kids' college. We're stressed about, am I going to stay single for the rest of my life? How do I deal with my aging parents? Is our house going to sell? mandates, health, things that, that we're worried about here. Jesus, if he was preaching this sermon today, might switch up a few of those things that we might be worried about, but you can just imagine those things that you're worried about. And he's saying, don't worry, don't worry. It's almost like it's straight out of a Bob Marley song or something. I'm like, what are you talking about? Jesus is backwards. Like, don't worry about a thing. "'Cause every little thing.'" I'm not a singer. "'It's gonna be all right.'" Yeah, like, Jesus, really? Really? Bob Marley? In the middle of this week, in the middle of 2021, 2020, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna preach this to me? It seems backwards. It's a little bit complicated. These things are important to me, Jesus. Retirement, health, I mean, what are you saying? These aren't important? Importance is not the point, Okay. He's not talking about importance. They are important. He's saying they're not life. Isn't life more than food in your body, more than clothing? Yes. Your retirement's important, but it's not life. Your clothes, they're important, but it's not life. I'm learning about this in my house right now. We got aging aging kids. They're in elementary school in um, we have a nine-year-old. It was interesting because we're getting ready for school and something new happened for us, or at least for me anyway. The nine-year-old, we got ready, and then all of a sudden, he, he ran back and had to change his shirt. Okay, well, you just change your shirt. And it took him like 20 minutes. And usually, like changing your shirt, for him, it might take 20 minutes, but that's because he's distracted by playing with this or jumping into this, and he just forgot this 20 minutes was spent in front of a mirror. Like, what's, what's going on here? He's worried about his clothes and what other people might, might think about what he's wearing. And all of a sudden, we have, have to have a wardrobe change and a whole consultation on what clothes we, are appropriate and inappropriate. Because these are the things that we start to worry about now. And as, as a teenager, you know you've been there as a teenager. It is, it is not a big deal to us as adults, but as a teenager, it is life. And then, we, and then these teenagers are going to grow up, and we're thinking about relationships. We're thinking about college. We're thinking about jobs. We're thinking about kids. We're thinking about retirement. Like we can laugh at the nine-year-old, but adults, we play the same game. We will play the same game. I'll give you an example for me where I have to keep it simple. It comes. All, I always comes up with my car. Right? I drive an old beater. 2002 Ford Explorer, all right, this thing is like died nine times and yet I still, every time I decide I want to get rid of this car, I have to go through this process and this is what I want you to do to keep it simple because it gets complicated sometimes and simple is complicated. Ask yourself, what's the true cost Of whatever it is you're shooting for, what is the true cost? And you might think, well, a new car, well, it's easy. There's the dollar amount right there. Uh Uh-uh. That's not the true cost that comes across with that car, right? Right now, I don't have any car payments, which is awesome, but I also have low insurance payments when you drive such a terrible car. New car, insurance payments coming in. But guess what? If one of my kids spills an apple juice in my car, Collectively, it probably enhanced the cleanliness of my car and its current situation. I'm like, hey, I just got apple scent s- spray in my car. It smells better now. I don't care if there's a spill in there. You get me in a new car, oh, we're going to have problems. I, you get me in a new car and I go to Smith's, I'm going to have to park at McDonald's because I don't want anyone touching or in my car. Right now, I don't care. You could run a, a, a shopping cart at that thing at full speed. I'd be like, that was awesome. I don't care. My stress levels. What's the true cost? You have to ask yourself, what is associated with this? And my, right now, it's not worth my stress or my life on these things. And, and many times, to keep it simple because it is complicated, I'll go off feelings which is simple, but also shallow. And my wife, who said, thank you, she has a simple idea of what love was, and it was on a choice. It was simple, but it was also way deeper. And so she'll remind me in my my pursuit of a new car, the feelings are like, yes, I want it, because this one's terrible. It's like, "Ah, what's the true cost? And walk through I'm like, you know what, you're right that's better. That's better. And so many of us, I don't care if you're talking about a relationship that you're trying to jump into. It feels good, but what's the true cost? And just even being in that relationships, but the things that we do or we say in those relationships, what's the true costs in some of those things? And a lot of us, we haven't haven't been honest about these things. We get this messed up in the church world. I'm going to chase just a little bit of a rabbit trail. The church, we, we, it's, it's simple, but we get so overloaded and so programmed. And so you got to do this and we got to do this and we got to do this. And we miss, we miss the point in church world. And we've been a part of church world. And Freedom Church is no, has no exemption. Like We have to work hard to keep it simple. Because it just, as something grows, it gets more complex. We could say, I want to be like the first century church, which is what we want to do, that church in Acts. It was beautiful. They got together and, and the spirit was moving. People were getting healed. People were getting saved. They're reaching their town. They're reaching their community. They have the same mission as us, go reach the world. But the more they grew, the more complex it got. And then you see only like, you have chapter one, chapter two, and about five, chapter five is where the church starts to screw it up. So even in the first church, they have to fight this ability of of complexity that just jumps in when when you're on mission together. And we'll try to keep it simple. So here, we have a mission to go make disciples. That's the same mission of every church. You go and you make disciples. You go reach this world. We have a global mission, anything but simple, easy to say, complex to figure out. But we just try to keep it. There's three things that we do here. Strong worship. Strong relationship, strong kids. Strong worship, strong relationship, strong kids. I want, when you come in here, I want you to get filled up, to be encouraged, to be inspired, to to join in with other people. Like we talked about last week, Shabbat, Sabbath. Like we have pinpointed this one hour on our schedule to say, remove the distractions. I'm here, I'm present I'm going to worship Jesus. Like, this is the hour, like, I don't even know if I have another hour on the week that I have pinpointed to really focus in on Jesus and God and say, just fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. And I get to praise His name. And we're doing that right now. I want a strong worship environment where this is engaging, where this is encouraging and inspiring. But I also want strong relationships where we connect with one another. We have connect groups. But that's going to be the strength in the, where our, our, our ability to really reach this town is going to be found in the strength of its relationships. So we're going to put in all our effort on that. And then it's not just for us. we got a whole other generation to reach. And so we're going to put our investment into kids in the next generation and leave a legacy. So three things that we are going to invest in heavily. Strong Sunday worship, strong relationships, strong kids. All right? Stay it with me. Say it with me. Strong relationships. Strong, or uh, sorry, I did it backwards. Ha <laughs> Strong worship, strong relationship, strong kids, strong worship, strong relationships, strong kids. Hey, you got the heartbeat of our church already. That's it. But we get it backwards sometimes. And we just want to say, that we're going to do those things. We can focus in on, on a whole lot of different things. And I'm not saying that people, that churches that do that is wrong. But we're just gonna to try to keep it simple here. I have a hard enough time trying to remember it myself. Strong worship, strong relationships, strong kids. Oh, I think if you had those three things, I think if you had a great engaging environment, great relationships, and you knew we were investing in the next generation, whether you had kids or grandkids, or you view those kids as your kids or grandkids,
1: oh man,
0: that's gonna fuel you up to go be the church. It's not about it's backwards. Don't come to church. Don't come to church. Don't come to church. Go be the church. Go be the church. Go be the church. Churches can get it backwards. Sorry, that's my rabbit trail. Church is not about coming in. We come in so we can get filled up and go out, all right? Your mission's going to be outside there. Simplicity. Now, I've been thinking about this all week long because I have not convinced. Like I read these verses, I believe I love Jesus. I believe Jesus, but sometimes if you're like me, I'm like, uh, yeah, that's nice, but is that really necessary? Is that, is that like vital to my soul? Like, is this really going to help? And I really do think it is. What? It, why simplicity? Why would I choose this life that he said, "Hey, live a quiet life"? Why? Why would I make that my aim? Simplicity helps me to live on purpose. Simple on purpose. As I was praying about this sermon this week, God just told me, some of you, you've you've had dreams, God-sized dreams that He has placed in your soul, and you've given up on that dream. You've put that dream on hold, or things got so complicated and so busy and so rushed, and you're on the go, 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 and He's planted something inside of you that you've known from a long time, and you're not working on it right now because you are focused on all the other things. And simplicity is going to get you focused in on what that dream is that He's put inside of you, that you have a calling and a purpose on your life. And this thing called simplicity is going to Create margin and clear out all of the fluff so I can see what God has for me. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to live simplicity on purpose so one day I can live on purpose. Dave Ramsey says that about money live like nobody else so one day you can live like nobody else when it comes to your finances. You have a purpose and calling. So rather than load up with a bunch of distractions, live on purpose today so one day when that calling or that dream comes about, you can live out that dream and you're not attached and chained to something else. Jesus said it like this, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other for you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Whoa, 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 time out, time out. I thought we were talking about simplicity, and now we're talking about money. Like, here it is, church talking about money again. He says, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And he's talking about worry in this passage. Look at the birds. They're not worried. God's taking care of them. Seek the kingdom first, and He'll take care of all your needs. And then he ties that back to money. Well, what's the number one thing that almost everybody worries about? Money. Money. What you're worried about, money or something else, what you are worried about reveals your core devotions. What you are worried about reveals your core devotions. He said... He said, you cannot be devoted to one, or you cannot be devoted to both. You will be devoted to one or the other. What would happen to your worry if you shifted your devotions? Seek first the kingdom of God. What would happen to your worry if you shifted your devotions? Simplicity helps us eliminate the distractions creates some space and some margin in our lives to get that focus it's a, it's a it's a vision problem he said look at the birds vision look look at the bird you're looking at all the stuff around that's going on he's like just look at the birds and they give you some space just some time to see that God's in control and that he's sovereign and that he's got this he's got this under control. Would you just follow him? I want to take a quick time out to just talk about what I don't mean when I talk about simplicity, because the, the buzzword is minimalist, like minimalizing our life, decluttering our life. And some of you guys, when you hear that word, like, hey, let's live a minimal life. You're like, ooh, all right. I got boxes and I got my label guns and I'm ready to go. And you get excited about that. Um, it's, it's, It could be that, like decluttering some of those things, but that's not it. I'm not trying to get you to to reduce the square footage in your home and you only have like one piece of furniture in the entire house and you're like, yeah, this is what we're doing. I'm not talking about, hey, we got to, you know, just eliminate power and internet. We go dig a hole in our backyard and anytime we got to go to the bathroom, we go back to that backyard and we start living like that. No, he's not saying money's bad, all right? It's not a bad thing to have dreams. It's not a bad thing to want to work hard and chase after those dreams and and achieve those things. But at the same time, you got to understand, what's your motive and your purpose behind those things? What's the driving force? Because a lot of times, if we're honest about our driving force, it comes down to some guilt and shame or fear comparing to other people and we're chasing success or we're thinking God can't control this thing or the enemy has deceived us into thinking this want is now a need and simplicity is going to whoo slow it down slow it down slow down you said that two weeks ago stop Shabbat and today keep it simple. First Timothy chapter 6 six and eight. Paul's writing to Timothy says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Oh, I love that verse. We think it's money. Money in the bank is great wealth. No, the Bible's backwards. Godliness, following God with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So, if we have enough food and clothing. Let us be, say this word with me, let us be content. Ooh, ooh, that's a pretty short list. Uh, we live in a cold environment. It's cold this morning. I might add shelter to that list. Come on now, somebody. All right. It, let us be content. Food, clothing, and I'm going to put shelter in there in Mike's translated verse. Now, can we live like that? Come on, let's be honest. I don't know if I believe that's true. Hmm, That's tough, simplicity, but it weeds out all the things that we're shooting for which aren't on this list. They're not bad. They are important, but they are not life. Simplicity gets me focused on life. But simple, oh, simple is is backwards, simple is complicated, simple is hard. Simple is not easy. Why? Because life is hard. We say our mission in making disciples is to help people take their next step in their relationship with Jesus together. Simple phrase, take your next step of faith. Lily put it in the comments earlier said, so what, what's something simple that we make complicate? And she put it in the chat. She said, uh, doing the next right thing. Taking the next step of faith. We overcomplicate this. But I'll tell you why. It's hard. It's hard. Just ask anybody in the Bible, any story you read in the Bible, when they took a next step of faith, okay, God, you gave me the direction on what I needed to do. Pretty simple. I'll do that. Oh, wait, it's hard and there's obstacles and there's enemies coming right at me. Hello, David. Hello, Joseph. Hello, Gideon. Hello, Abraham. Hello, Moses. Like John, why don't you give me the easy button along with this, so I can just tap that? And God's saying, I ain't giving you the easy button. If it was easy, you wouldn't need God. Simple is hard. Sometimes it's got to be hard to learn the lesson. Sometimes it's got to be hard to grow. I got a a simple little toy. Anybody know what this is? What is it? A bouncy ball. Simple name because that's what it does. Not much else, huh? Just take it, and I bounce. And we can have a lot of fun with this, right? Now, uh, Let me put this here. If I take this, take the same ball and drop it here, what went wrong? It's not doing what its, what its name says. It's not doing what it, it's supposed to do. In order for this thing to work, the surface that it hit has to be what? Somebody said it over there. Somebody's getting my simple little illustration here. It's got to be what? Say it again. It's got to be? Yeah. In order for something to bounce back, in order for something to work, sometimes in your life, it's got to be? God ain't going to give you the easy way. We want it to be soft and easy. And I'm telling you what, when they put Jesus in the tomb, we had a bounce back story and it was anything but easy, but it was? Come on now, I'm trying to preach here. Let's go. It is hard. And God's trying to develop some things in your life. And there's some things that are going on in your life. And it is a hard season right now. It is a hard, complicated season in our lives. And I want to tell you, just because it's hard doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. You might be at rock bottom right now. But if you have your foundation on the solid rock, you are right where you need to be. You are going to be able to take a next step of faith on that foundation, and it is sure. It is going to lead you in the right direction when I work with teenagers. And I'm like, man, if I could just sit down with you, like, try to just make this as simple as possible. What would you tell me to do? Here's all I got. Seek God. Follow him and you will always be successful. You're going you're gonna to go to college. You're going to go somewhere and you're going to think, oh, I got to do this to be successful. I got to do this to be successful. I got to chase this. I got to have that. And that's what we did, right? Only it didn't satisfy. It didn't fulfill. What do I need? Seek God and trust him and do it. Which is exactly what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God. Step one. Here comes the hard part. Then live righteously. Because when he tells you what to do, do it. And he'll give you everything you need. You do those two things. Whether you're a teenager in the room, a young child, or you're a grown adult, you want to be successful in this life. Seek God, follow him. That's it. But it will be anything but easy. Because it is going to come with an enemy and a bullseye on your back to get you distracted from anything that God wants you to do in this life. And what's our mission? To go tell the world about this thing. What do we get distracted with? Everything else in life. We're too afraid. I'm not going to tell them anything. I don't know what they're going to say. I wouldn't share this. I don't know what they're going to think and the angle. And then we just, we overcomplicate doing our mission. And and here's the other thing too. Not only do we have an enemy, (laughs) God is always testing us. What kind of surface are we dealing with today? What kind of surface? Do I have a bounce back candidate today, or do I have someone who's like, ah, I only want the easy stuff? I need America, God. No, if it's hard, uh-uh, I'm done. I'm out. And he's going to test. He's going to test the surface material to see if there's any bounce back. I pray. I hope that freedom and for you today that we would simplify so we could focus on what it is we're really supposed to be about. So we have incredible bounce-back stories. I know some of your stories. You have incredible bounce-back stories that this world needs to hear, that this world is desperate for hope. Simple, simple gives me hope. Simple gives me hope. I said, I love you. She said, thank you. And I said, uh-oh. So I, I went back home that night. And I was like, that, that's it. We're done. My natural instincts would want to go and do more. Like, time to get out the mixtape, right? We're going we're gonna to record some songs. We're going to put it on the mixtape. I'll send a letter like, listen to this. This is how much I love you. Some of you guys are like, what's a mixtape? I've never heard of that. You're missing out. But I knew, like, that's too much. Just not a good idea. So I just kept it simple and, and really was, was minimal in conversation. A few days later, I get home from work, and uh, this, this exact envelope said, Mike. And, and I almost missed it because it was so small, but it was stuck on my door. And I knew right away, I'm like, oh, Oh, this could be really good or really bad. I think it's really good, but we'll see. And it's a picture with two little bears and a simple phrase. It says, You and me make the perfect hug. A simple phrase, and it gave me hope. I'm back in the game. Hope this card brings a smile to your day, thinking of of you. And uh, I keep this because it gives me hope. It makes me remember how much I love and value my wife and how much a simple little card can be so deep. A simple little love letter can speak volumes. Gives me hope the simple verse that most of us know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. I tell you something. If, if that is the only piece of Scripture that survived antiquity, that would be all you need. Christianity is based on an event. That Jesus, God, loves you. He gave his life for you and I, and he rose from the dead. Christianity, when that happened, the church started, and this verse summarizes it all in one verse. That's why we know it. That's why it's so good, because it's everything you need to know about Jesus about salvation, if I had to keep it simple, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. A simple phrase yet so deep that if you're facing something hard right now, keep it simple. Jesus loves me. God, the creator of this universe, loves me. He knows what you did last night. He knows what you did two years ago, 20 years ago, and He still loves you. He died for you. He gave everything for you. He gave you victory so you could bounce up, back, bounce up, back, up, and go live out a purpose and a calling in your life. Jesus loves me. Keep it simple it'll get you headed in the right direction to where you need to go. What if we had our equation wrong and we just kept it at just Jesus? When you're you're striving this week, when things get complex, when you're worried this week, just Jesus. He's alive. God's alive. The devil is a liar. And he's trying to get you all distracted and all wound up and complicate things. Jesus loves me. It's just me and Jesus. Slow down. Stop. And keep it simple. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired